Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ariana, and I'm your host here on the show. I'm a life coach, a business coach, a fitness coach, and ultimately my purpose here is to help you rethink and redefine the way you live your life. To break free from the stories and the patterns and the beliefs that have been ingrained into your mind about what life needs to look like for you, and to help you really uncover what your true purpose is and to empower you to go out and begin living that purpose in a way that feels good for you. So on this podcast, you'll find a mix of solo episodes of me sharing the random ramblings that are going on in my head, as well as inspiring interviews from women and eventually men, we haven't had any men yet, but eventually men, who have gone through experiences that have changed the way that they approach and live their own lives. And they come on here to share their stories and experiences and tips for you on how you can begin to integrate those experiences into your own life. It's an amalgamation of different topics like fitness and nutrition and wellness. We talk a lot about mental health, mindset, self-care, because life isn't really just one standard topic, and I couldn't make a podcast that was just about fitness or just about mental health. We got to cover it all, so that's what we do here. In today's episode, I have a great interview with Justine Huang. And Justine is a calligrapher and hand lettering artist who helps compassionate souls tap into their creativity as a powerful form of self care so they can impact the world from a full heart. After burning out from a life of saying yes to everything that pulled at her heartstrings, she revisited her childhood love of calligraphy and discovered its therapeutic nature in her recovery. So in today's episode, we talk a lot about burnout, what that looked like for Justine, how she worked through it, and some things that you can look out for in your own life as well as the lives of others that you may care about. We talk about what it means to run a social impact business, and we also talk about how calligraphy ties into self-care and what other forms of self-care we can look to if we don't consider ourselves to be creative or artists or anything like that. This is a great episode. I've got links to all of the resources and everything that Justine mentions in the show notes. And after listening, be sure to go find Justine on Instagram at it just flows and let her know what you thought. If you have your own experience with burnout, I know she would love to hear about how you worked through that. So let's open up the discussion and let's start sharing our experiences with others. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the Daily Sweat Podcast, Justine. I'm super stoked that you are here with us. Great to be with you. Looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Yeah, I am too. So before we get started and before we go into the story and what it is that you actually do, I always just like to get an idea of who my guests actually are. So I would love to know, like, who is Justine Wong? Like, what does she like to do in her spare time? How does she recharge? Do you have any fun hobbies? Yeah, that's uh, it's out, it feels like one of those job interview questions. So who are you <laughs> in one <laughs> second? Well, essentially, I am, uh, I would, to summarize, I just love ideas, creativity, people connecting, um, and combining all of that, whether it be in my work or whether I do things on the side. I love uh, to recharge 
particularly when I'm feeling really, you know, there's a lot going on in my life is reconnecting with just those, those few good friends who I've known for a while or who know my heart deeply and I can just hang out and I don't need to put on any pretenses. That's super energizing to me. Um, as well as just, um, I'm kind of a contemplator. And so I love to be able to journal. And when I'm not doing that, I'll feel really off as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, getting creative with other people, I uh, love to either host um, creative jams and get people together or go on a creative date with a friend, for example, uh, or just as simple as like going for coffee uh, in a coffee shop with a friend and just having, I'm kind of known for my five hour conversations that I'll have with people. (laughs) Cool. Uh, new and so yeah I just I'm an ideas junkie I just love learning and getting to know people's stories and just reading up on a topic I'm interested just learning something new all the time that's really cool I love um I love being able to have those in-depth conversations with people you know so much of today's banter back and forth is like pretty shallow and not necessarily that that's a bad thing. Like sometimes it's great to just kind of chat about like what you saw on TV or what you're reading about or anything like that. But it is really nice to have those friends where you can have those deep connections with and those intense conversations. Yeah. Cool. So when we had initially first connected, um, you had shared a little bit with about your story with me on how you reached um, quite a heavy state of burnout and how that led you to where you are now. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Like what burnout looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah. This actually, when I was thinking about this, I only realized I've actually been through burnout more than once, but when I was younger, the first time it happened to me, I actually didn't, didn't really know what it was and didn't have the language for it. So I didn't even do anything intentionally to get out of it. And I guess youth adrenaline kind of eventually allowed me to recover from that when I was 20, but it wasn't until I look back later that all the signs were there too. Um, and so some of those signs, whether it be when I was 20 or when I was between 30 and 33 was the process of kind of the, what I call the downhill till I crashed at the bottom of the hill, um, really were subtle signs at first. Um, for someone like me who loves ideas and I'm never bored and I'm easily excited about things, uh, one of the sure signs was I was not excited about anything anymore. Nothing. I was very unmotivated. The things that I used to be excited about were things that I didn't care about. I didn't care about anything anymore. Um, and so that was a sure sign that there was, I was not my normal self. Um, and I think the other sign, uh, so when I was 20, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, my boss was, was kind of she had her suspicions something was up. And so she emailed me. She said, are you okay? You don't seem like your normal self. And I said to her, I remember I wrote her back and I said, well, I keep working harder, but I'm producing less and less. Uh, Mm -hmm. She said, are you burnt out? And I was like, I don't think so because I keep working harder and there's less and less that I have to show for. And she was like, well, that's kind of, that kind of is burnout. That is one of the definitions of burnout. And so uh, that was the same thing when I, you know, hit my big burnout at between 30 and 33 was just that sense of, I just can't get anything done. I have all this stuff I need to get done and I can't seem to motivate myself to do any of that stuff. Um, and, that's, and so I'd say that those are kind of the, the main things. Um, and what was helpful to even put language to it was like that boss. But in my thirties, there was two people. One of them was a friend 
um, I would say a friend of the heart. And then another one was someone I didn't even know very well, but I was taking a counseling class with her. It was, we, it was a class where we were learning how to counsel other people, but you had to be able to recognize your own crap um, and work yeah. through it. Um, in order to help other people. And so it was in a small group exercise uh, there too. And so these two ladies, basically what was instrumental for, for me to put the pieces together and have the language to call it burnout was they were both essentially helping me to uncover mindsets. They were just like, one of them was like, are you, if you stop doing that thing, what's going to happen? And I was like, well, the world's going to fall apart. You know, all these major things are not going to happen anymore because I'm over uber responsible for them. And they began to challenge me on these mindsets saying, really, is that really going to happen? Um, if you do that. And the, and one of them too is very, she just straight up looked at me and she was like, I'm very concerned for you because she had walked the road before so she could recognize it. And she was like, you there's got to be something that changes you changes. And if you don't change your path that you're on right now, it's going to change you. It's going to change you forever. She was quite dramatic about it, um, but it got my attention and she meant it's going to change you in a negative way. Um, And so those kinds of conversations were really helpful for me to be like, Whoa, there's something going on here. And the other instrumental conversation, I think community connection is so important in our mental health and our well-being. Where people who know who know us or don't like that lady who didn't even know me that well could mirror back to me what they're seeing. One key conversation was with my mother, and uh, it was over the phone. And she asked me these diagnostic questions, and I kind of answered yes to all of them. She was, "Are you feeling like this? Is this going on? Is that going on?" And she said, "To much to my surprise, she said, yeah, that sounds like depression. That's what I went through.'" in the early years of my marriage and when you guys were young, my, my sister and I, and I, I was shocked because I've never heard her use that language before. Wow. I've always, I've always heard her talk about those early years of marriage as hard because they didn't know what they're doing with the little kids. They were dirt poor, uh, trying to start their life together. Um, and so for her to use that language was, was, I think maybe that's a, that's a good sign nowadays where the language, you know, we're at least talking about mental health more. Definitely. Um, yeah, and just realizing, oh, wow, like this is... So what was helpful for uh, these people speaking, reflecting back to me this this language and what they were seeing in me and what they had experienced was just like, oh, this isn't... This is like normal. Like there's other people who have gone through something like this. Uh, maybe I should look into it. And so once they began to give me language and just give me some red flags, like, okay, you need to pay attention and wake up. I started researching like mad online. Like what's the difference between burnout? What's stress? What's depression? How do those connect together? Um, and, and in so doing realize that, I mean, they are connected. Stress is more of like this it's like too much of like, you have too much energy. It's frenetic. You've got all this stuff going on and it's adrenaline in a good way. It it's, can start as a good way, but mm-hmm. if it's, if it goes unaddressed for a long time, it begins, then it begins to lead to burnout. And I think when burnout is unaddressed, uh, it can certainly lead to depression. So it's a bit of a slippery slope, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just recognizing the connection between all those things. But I would say the, the, the biggest thing was my lack of awareness of, of reading my life and my heart and what was going on with me and needing other people to help me to become aware of that so that I could actually intervene and start doing something about it. 
For sure, which I think is a super common thing for us to experience. You know, when yeah. we are caught up in in that frenzied state or when we are just go, go, go all the time and we're not taking that opportunity to slow down and actually question like what is actually going on here, yeah. it's hard to really bring any awareness or to make any changes in our actions or anything like that. Yeah. So when you realized that it was time to make a change, I know you said that your first case of burnout, just um, having kind of like that youth adrenaline helped you get through it. But in your early thirties, when you realized again that you were experiencing burnout, what did you do to pull yourself out of that? Like, how did that transition process look like for you? Or what did it feel like? That's a great question. I I'll, I'll share my story. I feel sometimes it's a, not, not as relevant to a degree to certain, to some people because not everybody has the liberties that I was able to take. So I work um, in a, it's a pretty sweet spot where I work for a nonprofit organization. We work virtually. Um, so we have a lot of flexibility in our work hours um, and how we get our work done. And I have a super understanding boss too. So what ended up happening was um, and, and part of the, the, what led to the burnout was circumstantial, like every area of my life kind of blew up. Uh, I was breaking off a really unhealthy um, long distance relationship of four years. My, someone in my family uh, was in the psychiatric ward for a mental health issue. Uh, and then my work, it, there was a, a big part of it was my work. We had this situation where we had to shut down a major project of five years. And so, and it was wow. a handful role. And my boss knew that, that I was kind of in the middle of all that. And so a few different places, he was like, are you okay? He's one of those people. Um, and so finally, once I started having the language, I, I realized I need to stop right? Not just, I need to stop. Like I can't actually continue. Like I, I, so I asked for sabbatical, which is standard or it's not standard, but it's, it's a, it's an accepted practice in, in certain parts of the nonprofit world that I'm in. Um, and so I asked for sabbatical and, um, I essentially knew that if I did not get the sabbatical, I had to quit because mm-hmm. I, I could not function. Like I couldn't bear, if I don't get a break, I don't know what I'm going to, I can't actually keep working. Um, so fortunately my, my boss actually said yes, but wait for a few months. But I remember at the time I remember feeling he just said no, right? Like I need to, like, I need to get out. But yeah. I, once I actually calmed down and realized, okay, he's actually just, I need to push through the, our busy season. And then that's, that's the carrot on the stick that will help me to, you know, get through this. And so I got the sabbatical and I actually was able to take a, it's going to sound really weird, but I, I took a sabbatical workshop with another organization who was starting to institute um, mandatory sabbaticals for their, for their people um, because of the effect that they had seen. Um, burnout and and just long-term working um, in a very demanding capacity. So um, what was helpful in that was they gave us kind of the trajectory of how to do a meaningful sabbatical uh, or, and you could apply this to, you know, any type of a break you're doing. And essentially it was, there was a few different stages. One is just like the first stage was just rest, like just unplug, do like, just don't judge yourself, whatever your body wants to do, do it. So I did a lot of sleeping and uh, binging on what would have been like Netflix. It didn't exist back then. But, um, I watched the se- all five seasons of Alias in like two weeks. Solid. <laughs> I was living and breathing. It was kind of crazy. But, you know, it, with that message of no judgment, that's what I did. Um, and then second, and just do, do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, and after that, the next stage was really just kind of this reflection and contemplation. Like, what are the things, looking back, what were the things that led you here? 
uh, what were those behaviors uh, and mindsets that that actually led you to this place that were unhealthy that you need to that might need to change? Um, what are the things moving forward? Um, what would life look differently for you if you um, cre- if you started different mindsets and habits and things like that? Um, and then meaningful in reengagement with um, your life after. So that could be okay. I'm going to continue with the work that I was doing, um, but with the diff- with a refreshed perspective, or it could be whoa, my job actually, or the things that I've been doing were, are not actually well suited for my temperament or my season of life. So I need to make some major changes. Um, so those are kind of the main, main, um, the main, I guess, like trajectory of um, what I was trying to do, but I actually wasn't quite ready to come back. Uh, I made it to the second stage, but you know, I didn't really have a choice. So I just kind of came back and re-engaged. Um, but one of the major things that I cha- have changed in the last eight years since that sabbatical uh, is the, there's two words that I'll bring up that I have u- adopted a lot is one is seasons. Like what season am I in right now? So in the trajectory of the year, like, so is it a busier, you know, like Christmas season, for example, is going to be busier. Um, and do, what do I need to do to adjust for that? So before a busy season, I will build margin into it before and after. Uh, so that's the other word I would use is margin. Is there enough margin for what you're wanting to do? So if it's, so understanding that if life is, if you imagine just like a, a curve, a curvy line that's going up and down with a bunch of hills, that is what life is like. You're going to have you, you balance. You're never going to get like the Zen life where everything is exactly, you know, going is at the same pace constantly. That's not what life is. And it's not interesting either. Mm-hmm. So if you know that we're going to have those super busy, intense periods, sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice. Are you able to, am I able to recognize and prepare for those and to compensate for those and give extra recovery time afterwards? So stress is not a bad thing. It's just when you don't leave enough recovery time, um, you're, it, it causes negative um, impact, right? So like same thing with like when you're building your muscles, for example, for using a physiological example, you're actually trying to stress your muscles out. But then you need to, like, say you're doing weightlifting, for example, but then you have, so you got to push yourself, you know, in your training, but then you actually have to recover. And if you don't allow yourself to recover enough, you're going to actually injure yourself potentially more, right? And then you're going to be off, off the, off the track even more, right? So I use that with, I use that a lot more in my emotional and mental wellness now where I don't have any, I don't have any apology. If I know that I've got a super busy period coming up, I'll just take the time, the week or so or whatever, however much time I need before to just dumb down my social calendar, completely empty it out, make sure I have lots of time at home. I'm more of a homebody or doing whatever, you know, it is that I know recharges me to prepare for that time coming up. And then afterwards I give myself a lot of permission uh, after a busy period to just unplug and not do a lot of strenuous stuff that would be emotionally or socially or whatever strenuously um, uh, for my capacity, what I know my capacity to be. So that's been a huge difference. I don't, and then the other difference um, that I've really adjusted, tried to adjust is just being really aware of those inside obligations that I, that I used to feel a lot 
of, you know, where people would say, oh, you know, can you come out and do this thing, Justine, or can you help in this way? And I used to feel badly if I had to say no. Whereas now it's just like, well, no, I just, you know, one of the things when I was burnt out that was so helpful is when people asked me things that I literally, I just could, didn't have the social or emotional energy to do it. The, the, the gas tank was so low. It was so obvious that I couldn't even lie to myself to say yes to those things that I didn't feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm much more aware of it. And I noticed that there's quite a few of my friends here going through burnout right now, a handful of them, about five or six of them. And they're all around the same age as I was when I was going through that. And so I recognize it. One of the things I recognize in them is there is kind of like this internal pressure that I, that is apparent um, now that I've been through the other side where they're like, well, I can't say no to that, or I can't disappoint this person that way. Or if I don't do it, nobody will. Like those kinds of internal pressure mm-hmm. that um, are leading them to continue on at an unsustainable pace um, that is concerning to me. And so as a friend, I do try to kind of gently, uh, like those other friends in my life, um, ask those diagnostic questions to help them come to a place of awareness. Like, okay, well, you know, is that the only way to do it? Is that the only way to think about that situation? And is the cost that you're paying in your own mental health, is that really worth it right now? You know, um, even though it's scary to consider dropping something or maybe even quitting a job or changing something, um, if you continue on that treadmill, it's, you know, you're going to eventually get so tired, it's going to, it's going to fling you right off of it. And I obviously don't want to see them go through that. Right. So, so anyway, so those are some, some of the pieces um, that uh, I've kind of recognized, not just in my own life, but looking at other people too who are going through burnout. Yeah, those are so important. And I really appreciate you sharing that, especially um, the sabbatical workshop that you went to, because I think it's easy that when we get some, for when we get some downtime to just want to chill and not do anything, or maybe we end up busying ourselves, catching up on things that we haven't gotten to before, like household things, or even just being on social media. And it's almost as though we do need to be structured with our rest time to make sure that we are getting the most out of it. So I appreciate yeah. you what that experience was like. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, you mentioned some signs that you look for, um, that you noticed within yourself, but also signs that you see in others that they're experiencing burnout and how mm-hmm. you approach them about it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have a friend who I'm concerned about and I've brought something up to them and they get a little bit defensive, how would you suggest I navigate that scenario? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, most of my friends are not, they're very open. So I haven't seen that context myself, gotcha. but I think, uh, but it is a great question to consider. I think, what would I do if I did have a friend in that situation? I would probably approach it more from a place of, um, rather than, oh, there's something wrong with your life. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And you need to do something wrong. You need to do something. Um, they don't need any more extra guilt on them. Um, probably the way I would approach it is more from a place as a friend of concern, kind of like that lady who didn't know me that well in that counseling class, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like, Hey, I'm really concerned about some things that I see going on, you know, and just um, maybe reflecting back like, okay, you're always tired and I, you know, you're struggling in these different ways. And how is that, you know, how are you feeling? Like, how's that working for you? You know, just kind of like this a gentle approach from the friend, the compassionate, like, oh, I've been there before. I, I can see, you know, certain certain trajectories happening and I'm just really concerned for you, you know, and I want to see you thrive and do well and you're not your normal self and, you know, um, all these different, you know, probably that's probably the approach I would take. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I like it. 
Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to come to awareness, I think, when there are things that you've been doing that have led you to a certain place. And it's hard to kind of come into the light and to acknowledge, oh, maybe, you know, there are things that I'm doing that are not healthy, um, that are not life giving. um, And maybe something needs to change. And I think change is it's a threatening thing, even if it's a good thing and it's what we need at the time, it's mm-hmm. really hard to kind of come to acknowledge that sometimes. Um, recently I had a, a bit of an emotional awakening where I had a blow up in a relationship and I went to my counselor uh, at the time and she, she basically kind of gave me some language to work it out. And I literally felt like I'd gone to the doctor, even though it was an emotional thing where I was like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is really big implications of mm-hmm. how I landed here and why that happened. And am I willing to face and do the work to, to work on this so that that is not going to continue on like that. Right. Uh, the mm-hmm. same patterns. And it, it's, it was, it was sobering um, and, and humbling um, and still working through it, but, but realizing, okay, I aware I'm much, I'm, much more thankful that I'm in the light at least that at least I know what I can do about it. Right. So definitely that awareness is the first step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So I want to switch gears a little bit because as part of your business and from what I've seen on social media and from what I know about you, I know that you are big into calligraphy and I would love to know how you got into that and how that ties into your self-care routine. Yeah. Um, I started when I was a kid, my mom gave me, bought me a pen. Um, and my grade three instructor teacher bought us all a pen for cursive practice. And I came home and I danced with the pen, uh, dripping ink all over my mom's beige carpet. And, um, (laughs) that's kind of technically how it started, but you know, I was always a creative child into all kinds of art forms. So I didn't really pick it up until as an adult, um, I took, started taking some classes and the first class I actually dropped out of cause it wasn't fun for me and it was kind of more technical and all this, but really where I've discovered, um, how it connects to our conversation right now about burnout and mental health is I, I indirectly, when I was burning out, when I was burnt out and I was trying to, one, one of the things that happens when you're burnt out is like, you're not interested in anything that you used to be interested in anymore. And so I kind of hit this phase where I wasn't doing anything creative at all. And then as a, as a baby step, there's about three years of wandering in the wilderness. And during that time, I took a baby step. Someone invited me to be part of a writer's challenge um, with like writing stories and stuff like that. Um, and so there was one day um, the challenge was to declare that you're like, declare that you're a writer without all the extra baggage. Like I'm a wannabe or aspiring writer. And so when I, in doing that exercise, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not really a writer. I don't consider my, I can write, but it's not my main thing. And I realized, no, I'm going to declare that I'm a calligrapher. And so that was the beginning of kind of calling it out. And as I started sharing that with people, people began to give me opportunities to use it for events or, uh, different opportunities different little projects that they had but where it really came to play is I started journaling before I I was journaling a lot but it was just writing words there was no decorative artistic element to it and so then I during that time I started doing what I call expressive lettering and I started to just say for if 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 I was feeling angry um or I had a quote that you know expressed a certain emotion I would write the word visually to reflect that the emotion of the word and so I began to do that in my journaling a lot more and my um I would start writing about circumstances or my feelings and they would naturally turn into prayers or expressive 
yeah, expressions of whatever I was feeling. Um, and so it just became, began like that. And to this day, I'm not really a very technical, perfect wedding calligrapher. Um, my style is much more bold and brushy and messy. Um, and so if you look at my journals, so the, the practice that I do now is every day I'll write just a few words or just, you know, whatever random thoughts are going through my head. And that'll just be normal writing. And then at the end of the week, I will, I do my best to do um, a weekly recap of the whole week. Um, what are the highlights? Uh, what were the lowlights? What were key things that I felt like my life or God was trying, or my heart is trying to tell me what are the messages from the last week? And so then I'll write those in expressive lettering. So that means some of them will be bigger, some will be in different colors, some of them, you know, they, they interact in different ways. And so then when I go back at the end of the year, or so twice the year, um, I'll look back at all of those notes. I'll study my life <laughs> through my journals and I'll look at, okay, what are the key things that have come out that way? Um, and so the calligraphy just is more of an expressive, one other expressive piece in my, in, in my mindfulness journaling practice essentially is, is where I do it. Um, and I've, and so I incorporate that into my workshops uh, and my meetups where people, I encourage people to write, think about what, think about these positive messages that you need to hear um, because there's something about slowing down. Calligraphy is really about unplugging, getting off your phone, getting present right before yourself, doing something tactile, tactile with your hands. And then in writing the message or the words that you're trying to write, um, it, it's a way of writing it into your heart and into your psyche. Um, and so I, I also, get people to write these positive notes, not just for themselves, but we donate them to women in recovery or, and, and youth in recovery. And so what, one of the, the ladies who comes, she noticed that she was, even in writing the messages um, for other people, she realized I, my heart really needs to hear this. And just writing it so slowly is helping it get, get it into my own heart. Um, and so I think in our over technical world of social media and everything is just going so fast and nobody even writes anymore. Um, this is just a really good way to unplug and slow down and get connected with the present right now with what's going on um, right here, right now. Now, what if I am feeling as though I'm maybe teetering on the edge of burnout or I'm already in burnout and I, I want a way to express myself, express my emotions, but yeah. I feel like I can't draw or I'm not a calligrapher. Like what other forms of self-care would you suggest that can actually help me work through these emotions and experiences? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, so if you're not, whether it be you, like, so the reason the irony is I, I can't really draw. That's why I don't, that's why I'm a calligrapher. I draw letters because I can't things but you know if people do want to draw they can do that or like I know a friend who does dancing like she'll just put on the music and she'll just dance it out um and let her body kind of express it that way um if you're a more verbal person having a heart to heart with a friend who's safe who won't judge you um going to a therapist oh, the therapy I'm a huge advocate of getting counseling yeah, um, someone who's able to um just listen and to kind of draw that awareness out. I think it's the awareness piece, right? And being intentional, um, being physical, going for a run. I used to run and I didn't realize how much that was um, a key part of my wellness at the time too. Um, I was, I would do long distance running and I would, and I'm a slow runner. So I'd go for hours and just, that would be my thinking time, my prayer time, my meditation time, listen to podcasts that are life-giving to you, whatever it is, right? Um, just those kinds of things. Um, uh, 
just anything that allows you to just get get more present um, with what where you currently are um, and just yeah, physically and emotionally just kind of relaxing. Um, and that, you're right. That's going to look totally different for, for different people. Cool. I love it. Those are all great suggestions. And I can vouch that running is a great time to clear your mind. <laughs> definitely. Yes, definitely. We live so, in such a beautiful city too. So. Oh, I know. So many wonderful running routes and even hiking mm-hmm. and everything too. Like oh, even, yeah, I don't run sure. now because of uh, some injuries, but mm-hmm. even just taking my dog out for long walks and exploring new trails, it's, it's amazing what it does for your energy levels and your mental clarity. Yeah, totally, totally. Now, you touched on it um, briefly in saying that in some of your workshops, when you create these um, graphics, you share them with women in recovery. And you also talked talk to me before about how you've created a social impact business. Can you tell us a little about what that means? Okay. Yeah. Essentially is, um, I think so. it's become more and more, more of a trend, I guess, in business, uh, although it's just a good thing to do. Business is essentially recognizing there's a need that people have, whoever you're serving, and then creating something to meet that need. And I just, I think social impact business takes it one step further. What is there a need in the world that needs plugging? And how can your business help towards that need? And so I touched on it a little bit in the context why calligraphy is, is, can be a very helpful tool. But the context is the social media, the craziness of our lives, the, dis- the disconnection emotionally and socially that we're feeling, even though we have all these social media connections. Vancouver, getting really specific, is a self-professed lonely place. A hundred or so community leaders who did a, uh, there was a study done by Vancouver Foundation. All these leaders all said that loneliness was the biggest social problem and social issue in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And so when we live in this kind of a context and I realized calligraphy can be a solitary thing you do on your own, but because of the craft jams I used to do in community is a huge core value of mine, realizing that I often would not get creative unless I had other people who inspired me and to do it with other people. So for that's how I kind of came to the workshops piece of my business where okay, it's really vulnerable for me to put my workshops out there. It feels like if people don't show up, it's like, it feels like a personal rejection. I know it's not, but Mm -hmm. realizing I'm going to be, I'm going to choose to do that risky thing because I believe that people getting together in meaningful, intentional connections, which is what I try to do in my workshops. I have a lot of prompts to get the conversation going at a deeper level Um, and getting creative together obviously has that effect too. I see the impact that it has on people when they are, in those connection, in those types of connections. And then I also think that as human beings, we are designed to have a purpose outside of ourselves um, and to join with other people in that. And so knowing that the things that we struggle with as human beings, um, the messages of positivity that we need for ourselves, chances are is something that somebody else can use as well. Um, and so I build that very intentionally in as well as uh, donating proceeds um, to and partnering with organizations who do work with more marginalized populations who might not have access to this kind of um, art workshop, uh, for instance. And um, so I, it really, for me, the social impact piece really is about the context of Vancouver right now. It's lonely and people need to get away outside of their phones and into face-to-face real life community. Um, and so I hope that I can create one of those spaces, um, to be able to offer safe spaces for people to enter in and make those connections. I love it. And um, for those of you who are listening who live in the Vancouver area, I'll be sure to put in the show notes some links to where you can find out about Justine's workshops if you ever want to go and check them out. 
Right. Now, what would your top tip be for someone who feels as though she's teetering on the edge of burnout be? Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it already. It's really just becoming aware enough mm-hmm. and just stopping whatever that looks like. I know a lot of people can't just have a sabbatical or just quit their job just like that. But what are those, like, what are there things in your life that you can do that are, that you need to actually get out of your life? Like say, for example, you're involved in a bunch of volunteer commitments. You might've started those because of their causes that you're passionate about and you had the energy and the, and the drive for that. But you need, are those things that you need to absolutely be doing or can you stop them? Um, And just those things and things that are draining to you. Um, to, to make that decision to care enough about yourself to stop understanding that if you don't do that, it's, you're going to cause more damage to yourself in a way that you might not, you might not even be able to re-engage with some of those things, um, in a meaningful way. So keeping that longer, bigger perspective in mind, um, and making those decisions to do those things so that you can re-engage for the long term of your life. Life is a marathon. It's kind of a cheesy analogy, but it really is. You, you, you have to pace yourself in that sense. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is um, just getting to the roots um, in why did you get there in the first place? What behaviors, what mindsets led you into that corner or into the bottom of that valley um, so that you can begin to change those things um, and build, build margins in uh, so that you can live life for the long haul, essentially. Mm, I love it. Those are great tips. Um, and I guess finally, my second to last question for you is, um, what are some of your favorite resources? Like, do you have any books, podcasts, blogs that you really resonate with that are either kind of based around the current topics that we've been talking about, burnout, self-care, that kind of thing, or even just that you think people need to read or hear about in general? Yeah. It's funny because, because I'm such an ideas junkie, I'm not, I'm not like a loyal subscriber to any particular blog, um, or podcast. And I haven't even gotten on the huge train of podcasts. Just, I'm just starting to get into it. Um, it's just, there's so many resources you can possibly connect to, but I would, there are a couple of um, authors that I do recommend because of the, the topics that they cover. Uh, so Brené Brown um, is, mm-hmm. she does a lot of really good work on living courageously, vulnerably, uh, how to make meaningful connections in community. And she just, and she's research-based too, right? And so she really gets to the heart of you know, what it is to be a human being. So I love her stuff. Um, Simon Sinek uh, is author of um, Start With Why and Find Your Why. Um, I'm, all, I'm really big on um, life purpose kind of things. Um, there's lots of different angles you could take, but his is, he's got a pretty approachable way to kind of figure out what your big why in life is in business and um why that's helpful with burnout and mental health is if you don't know the thesis of your life and the big point of your life, it's very easy to get live reactively and, and take on everybody else's stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And, or get caught up with your own, for someone like me with too many ideas, I can't do them all possibly. Right. Um, that would lead to burnout for sure. So knowing what are the main priorities of right now, what I'm going to engage in. And that means I need to say no to other things. It's so helpful to be super clear about what your why is. Um, and, and just, you know, knowing what your life is trying to say to you, um, and what you're responsible for in, in this life, um, that you've been given. Um, so those are the authors that I would say, and 
in terms of resources, I'm thinking about a, um, a post that you put on your Facebook. You had a stack of library books. <laughs> That's me right now. I think I've got like five or six books from the library that all came back from like all the holds came back. Um, but yeah, the library is a great place for resources. I, I guess I'm old school. I like books too. Right. Um, yeah. Just a good feeling. Yeah, totally. Uh, just trusting the serendipity of when those books are available for you to read. Um, yeah, I love the library. Um, yeah. So those are kind of the, the um, the main ones. I would say anything on, there's a guy named, uh, let's say Henry Cloud and Townsend. Uh, it's a pair of psychologists. They have a series of books on boundaries, which is really oh, helpful. Cool. Um, but there's, you know, I'm sure there's other authors who speak on the topic of boundaries and margins, like knowing what, you know, what is okay for you and what's not. And that might change in a different season too. And so becoming self-aware, all these tools to help you become more uh, self-aware of, in this season right now, what is my capacity um, and what is leading to what towards increasing that capacity and what's taking away from that right now? What's draining, what's, what's draining me of life right now. Um, and just be becoming very intentional and aware of those things um, and engaging with your life intentionally that way. Yes. All about the intentionality. I love it. Thank yeah. you for sharing those with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be sure to link to some of those suggestions in the show notes as well. So lastly, where can we find you? Tell us where we can find you online. Let us know about any workshops or anything you've got coming up. Okay. Uh, so my main ha- my business name is It Just Flows. Um, and so you can find me on Instagram. Uh, website is in the middle of being redone as well. Um, Instagram is my main, my main stomping grounds right now. Um, and I do, I've got a couple workshops coming up in June. One is my basic learning how to do calligraphy. Um, so it's, it's, it's got the technical foundations that you need, but again, it, I'm really teaching people the process um, and how you can use it as a way to slow down and get mindful. And then there's a, another workshop that I'm doing is a summer solstice vision board workshop that we'll be oh, doing. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's <laughs> a fun amazing. little portable one that kind of unfolds. You can take it with you in your purse. You can. It would be a fun one for, for networking context of like, when someone asks you what you're about, well, let me just show you a visual of what I'm all about. Um, so that was, that's a fun one that I'm looking forward to doing as well. Um, that's coming up in June. Cool. Um, if you have links to those, if there's, if it's on Eventbrite or anything like that, send them to me and I will put them on the website. Great. Excellent. Yeah. It's been cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was super informative and it's something that I hope, um, our listeners will really take to heart because I think so many of us are just experiencing the symptoms of burnout or are already in a state of full-fledged burnout without really realizing it. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us and for some things that we can look out for in both our own lives and the lives of others. Um, I really enjoyed having you on the show today. Well, thank you for creating the platform. And I think what you're doing with your podcast is, is so important. Is Again, it's part of the awareness piece for people to kind of wake up and recognize that there are things that they can be doing differently in their lives. So I'm grateful for the opportunity for what you're doing. Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you to our listeners, as always, for your time, your energy, and for allowing us to hang out in between your ears. We will be back for you next week with another great episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, it would mean the world if you would head over to iTunes and take a couple seconds to leave a review. It'll just help future listeners know what to expect. Thank you in advance.